What's up, people? It's Learn, and I am recording this right now in the Casey Studios. And I've been sitting in here thinking about this third episode of the podcast. It's kind of crazy that it's already number three. And and to a lot of you, you're probably thinking, God, that's like nothing. You know, you probably have 50 episodes on your podcast or something like that. For me, it's a big deal. I I take a lot of pride in in these episodes. And for this one, I asked a person that I literally work alongside on a different radio station with. We have a wall that separates us. Uh, Casey and ESPN radio stations are next door to each other. And uh, Michelle Smallman is on the Bernie Miklas show. Michelle Smallman is the same age is me. Uh, so she's about 34 years old and um, she's incredible. She's a hardworking person who has had a really neat career just in the last 10 plus years. And she's going to talk about that story about growing into this career field, this male dominated industry that she and I both are just trying to, you know, make our mark on. And she really does it. So if you're a sports fan, you probably already know everything there is to know about Michelle Smallman. But for me, I'm not a sports fan and I wanted to have her on because I, I didn't want this podcast to be just about people that I'm familiar with. And I, I want to branch out and talk to people of all walks. And I want to I want to know more about Michelle Smallman because she seems like a pretty incredible human. And as I sat here with her for about an hour uh, that we recorded um, at Sasha's Bar on Demun, I got to learn so much about her, no pun intended, and uh, it was very enjoyable. And you'll notice that we're drinking wine in this episode. And if you're really noticing, you'll uh, understand that I haven't drank wine in a while because I had like two glasses through the duration of this. Uh, I don't even think two glasses by the time we're at the end. And it's already hitting me towards the end of the damn episode. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. And I look forward to becoming friends with Michelle. I think I fall in love with her at the very end of the episode. So it gets kind of ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, that's what happens when I find cool chicks that I hope to be friends with. So here it is my wine date experience with Michelle Smallman. Enjoy. You gotta live and learn. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Learn. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We're we're drinking wine and we're gonna talk about Should we cheers? Oh yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> That will sound so good to people. (laughs) So I've been listening to your podcast, and obviously you and I work at the same time for Hubbard. You are on 101 ESPN on the Bernie Miklas Show. Mm -hmm. And so I never get to listen to you on air because you and I are literally a wall divides (laughs) us, and we never get to listen to each other's show. So um, how is everything going over there in the sports world? Everything's great right now. We're sitting here. The Blues are coming off an unbelievable victory, up 3-2 in the series versus Winnipeg. The MLS, it looks like, is coming to St. Louis. Things are great. The only negative that I have about the job is the call time. I'm sure oh, you yeah. can attest to that as well. Getting up so early in the morning yes. when you stay up to watch games is never fun, but getting to talk sports in a community that I love, what more could I ask for? Yeah, and you know what? You and I are similar that it's not sports that I'm watching. It's usually, it's usually concerts uh-huh. that I'll go out to to the week. and then. Um, and, but see, the thing about my job is I can leave before the encore. You actually have to stay until the game is won. Oh, yeah. you got to stay up. So, like, what time... I mean, I know the Blues have been playing later games because they're in Canada right now. But, like, I mean, what is what is your schedule like through the week? Um, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but can you imagine if I would have gone to bed last night and missed that right. exciting finish to I, the Blues game? A lot of people did. I know. But, unfortunately, or I guess fortunately for me, I yes. have to stay up and watch the games. So, um, my alarm goes off at 4. Yeah. I'm a 2 to 3 snooze girl, but only, only a few minutes. So, normally I'll wrestle out of bed around 4.12, make a cup of coffee, and I'll lay in bed and read everything. Um, our producer, Tommy Freeze Pop, sends out a pretty thorough rundown before the game starts so I can prep my questions for guests and various topics before the game starts the night before. Right. And as I'm watching the game, I'm taking notes of things that happen, observations, opinions, things like that. So in the morning, I go over all that, skim kind of national stories, things I may have missed, game recaps that I didn't get to the night before. Then I will go into the office. Bernie, Tom, and I have a quick meeting. I'll continue prepping. Then we do the show from 7 to 10 Central. And after that, depending on the day, it's kind of a crapshoot what I end up doing. Right. Recording a podcast, going on sales meetings, maybe I go to work out. The day's pretty fluid and packed all at the same time. And then I just make dinner, I watch the games, and I do it all over again. That is so... Isn't it funny being a chick? And I'm not trying to, like, 
gloat about women in this business. I mean, it, it is a rarity. Like, you're the only girl on ESPN. I'm the only girl on Keishi. Isn't that bizarre? It's bizarre. And, you know, the thing about boys, or, or men, I guess I should call them, you know, <laughs> men working in this business, they can, they can roll out of bed and look great. And women have such a pressure on them to constantly... I don't know, look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And thank God it's radio that we don't have a video in front of our, a video recorder in front of our face all the time that we, you know, if we have a day where it's a long day, you can roll in, same thing like sports, uh, where, and just be able to do the show, no problem, nobody's going to know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think men, they don't understand the, uh, the luxury that they have as not having that added pressure onto them with how they look in their jobs, you know, and because you and I, we both come in um, and we just, we look professional. We're not like rolling out of bed and into a studio, um, but, you know, working with John, who is the PA announcer for Bush Stadium, you know, sometimes, especially whenever he has extra innings, he'll come in right before the show starts and he's been winging it for 43 years and he can just hit the mic and we'll start our show. And I kind of... Um, and like the cushion for the show on those nights whenever I know he's going to be in really late and uh, and help him. But you have the same thing going on with Bernie, who's this like other legend in St. Louis media. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, isn't it just kind of insane? Because I imagine your relationship with Bernie is the same how mine is with John, where it's a um, it's a friendship, it's a working relationship, but it's also, I mean, you're a team, so you have to like fill in for those moments that maybe it's like an ebb and flow. Is that, do I have that right or is it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's a yin and yang for sure, or yin and yang, I guess for sure. But um, a couple things. First of all, about the appearance stuff, yeah. you're so right. Guys will never understand what it's like for females, especially when you're the only female right. around what the conversation or just kind of the white noise about what you look like all the time. All the time. And for me, I decided pretty quickly into this gig because my job at ESPN before, I was on a radio show that was also simulcast on TV. So I had to be TV camera ready every oh, day. Wow. But it was from 1 to 4 p.m. So, so you fine. had time. So right. I had time to, to think about it. And it was a very casual show because it was radio. So it's not as if I had to wear bodycon dresses or whatever. <laughs> right. I could roll it in jeans and a sweater and it's fine. <laughs> um, but I decided early on, I'm staying up late for games. I'm lucky if I'm in bed by 11 and I'm getting up at 4. Right. So I'm getting no sleep. I'm not getting up a half hour earlier. To curl your hair. And put makeup right. on. I don't care. Yeah. And so when I first started, I ditched the makeup, ditched the hair. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll just put on a good moisturizer. I'll let my hair go naturally in a hat. And then I was still kind of caring about what I wore. I wanted to look professional. And then I looked around. I'm like, all these boys are in sweatpants. All of them. Why am I trying to look cute (laughs) at 6 a.m. when they're in, you you know, a Bruins jersey? Forget it. So I've just kind of adopted their mentality with it. And it's very liberating. I bet it is. I get a lot of, you look really tired from people in the hallways. And I say, yeah, I am tired. I am tired. I didn't go to bed last night. (laughs) The Blues won. Yeah, the Blues won. Um, But about Bernie... It's a really interesting position, I think, that you and I are in when you work with someone who is so established and so legendary and such a force in their industry and in this local market. And with me, I approach every show and every time that I observe a game or a story with, I know that Bernie is going to have a really strong opinion, and he is a stats guy, and he's going to drill in to the numbers on, hey, here's my opinion, but here's what I have to back it up numbers-wise. So for me, I kind of look at it in a sense that I'm from St. Louis. I know what the local fans are interested in. And I try to be the vessel for the fan opinion and the fan voice. So I try to paint things with a broad brush and think, if I was driving to work today and I had just watched that Blues game last night and I'm, you know, just a regular fan from Belva, Illinois, what is it that I would think and what would I want to know about? So that's what I try to bring to the table. He's like the quantitative, you're the qualitative. Yeah. And that really, you need both. Like, science needs both, and I feel like the chemistry, you know, not to put it in, like, science terms, but the chemistry of a good show is that quantitative and qualitative. Because I have that, too, with John, Mm -hmm. where he knows everything about sports. I am a self- Proclaimed, I know nothing about it. I I want everybody to win that we we're rooting for. But when it comes down to like, hey, who's the best player or, what, or stats or anything, I, I know jack about it. And I, I'm not afraid to admit that because I feel like in a, especially a baseball town like St. Louis uh-huh. and a hockey town right now in yep. St. Louis, 
to, to tell people you don't know anything about sports is almost like blasphemous to even bring that to the stage on radio. And I, I look up to people like you, especially, not just because you're a female, we're similar in age, but you really know your stuff. Like, I, I talk to grown men who are so impressed by you. Oh, and they so nice. They look up to you. They, they want to know your opinion on things. They want to hear your part of the show, too. And I think that, you know, the, the bonus is that you are a female, that it's like she knows every, she can hang with everybody else that's talking about this. Uh, and, and then you have this other great gift that is you're a young woman which I think is super impressive and there's not a lot of that going on like without the I guess the added sex appeal that a lot of women feel the pressure to bring to sports talk or if they are on TV or something like that that's what I've at least noticed as I've like walked by the TV when my husband's watching mm-hmm. sports or whatever I'm like Wow, everybody's like decked out. They don't need to be that way. They just need to know the facts and be able sure. to present it correctly. And you just do that in such a great way. And I just think it's, like you said, very liberating. Well, thank you. And I will get show you the ropes. I'll teach you anything you want to know about yeah. sports. We'll go to a game. I'll tell you who oh my what God. to pay attention to, who's a good player. <laughs> It'll be so fun. We'll do it over a couple <laughs> beers and a hot dog. Uh, but I think that that, what you're saying about the added pressure of being a female in this industry... How many times when I crack the mic every morning are there men listening saying, I, I don't like her simply because she's a female invading my space? Sure. I had a guy one time reach out to me on Twitter, which of course is a cesspool, oh, so yeah. you have to take that with a grain of salt. But he essentially said, I'm paraphrasing, I come to sports to escape my wife, so I don't want to hear a female oh on the God. radio. Sexist. Uh, well, yeah, of course. Also, I feel sorry for your wife. Right. <laughs> uh, but... I'm very cognizant of that, that you're never going to please everybody. Simply right. for me existing as who I am in this job, people right. are going to dislike me. So I certainly do want to make sure that I am fully prepped so they can never question my effort or question my, I don't even know how to phrase it, but I'm never going to know as much as Bernie. That's simply impossible. He's been doing this for over 30 years. But with and time you will. With time, I will, but I also have, I don't know if it's my age now or the fact that I've been in the industry for 10 years, but I just kind of don't care. I want to be myself. Right. I want to be as authentic as possible. And I think that, that plays into radio yeah. because you're not distracted by what I look like or by what I'm wearing or by the B-roll or the highlights of the game. Right. You can just listen to what I have to say. And it's organic. It's organic. And radio is truly the most transparent of mediums because it's simple. Simply your voice and your opinion, and yeah. people have that direct line to you, that connection with you. Right. So that's the the approach I take. I want to be informed. I want to be prepared. I want to be passionate, but I also just want to be myself. And I think with TV, what's really unfair with women, and it, it happens in radio too, actually, really in every walk of life, but specifically with women in sports and TV, they get pitted against one one another. Oh yeah. So for instance, when Erin Andrews was a sideline reporter, of course she's a very beautiful girl. Yep. And was great at her job, but as as soon as she left to go to Fox, Sam Ponder, Sam Steele at the time, now Sam Ponder, filled her role. And it's, well, she's not as hot as Aaron Andrews. Or Sam Ponder is way hotter than Aaron Andrews. The conversation is never, wow, here's two women who are really great at their jobs and have the respect of coaches and players and are providing you with great information right. that you need before the game. It's, oh, look at her shirt. She's not cute. I hate her hair. It's it's very unfair. You know, do you, do you hear women saying that, women fans saying that, or is it more male fans that you've noticed that are critical of women? Because I feel like us females, we can really get down on each other mm-hmm. as far as, like, you know, just tearing each other apart rather than lifting each other up. And it's something that I think women are, we're coming to learn. And it's more of a conversation these days of like building each other up rather than tearing everybody down. But I mean, like, I know that I, um, I observe plenty of women that will like knock somebody because they're dressed a certain way or they look a certain way, Uh you know, or they're acting a certain way. It's like, just let them be individual too. We don't do that with every man who's walking around, right? You know, otherwise we'd be just constantly complaining. It would just be not. <laughs> it would just be nonstop. Terrible. So, yeah. Well, and, and I noticed um, from knowing you online, I, I noticed your dad had a great impact on your relationship with sports. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because I hope people understand that if, if men that are listening to your show have little girls that they are taking them to these games and they're helping them mm-hmm. understand the game and they're introducing them to sports and they're allowing the father-daughter relationship to flourish just as it, as it would with a son and father relationship. Um, and I think that's really cool that you and your dad have shared a love of sports and that 
you know, you, you knew what your passion was through watching things with him, I guess, at an early age. Just talk a little bit about, like, the impact your parents had on you as the woman you are today. Sports is... People are so into sports because it's a direct reflection of us. It's nostalgia. It's a reflection of society. It's a reflection of your community. And everybody feels connected to sports for one of those things. And for me, it's it's multifaceted. It's, of course, that I love St. Louis, and I'm proud of St. Louis, and I want yeah. them to succeed and be portrayed nationally in a, in a great way. But mostly, I love going to baseball games because it reminds me of my dad, and it yeah. reminds me of when I was a kid, and he used to take me to games. And um, I'm an only child, and my dad, from the second I was born, was like, you're my best pal, and we're going to do everything together. And I'm super that. close with my mom, too, but he, my dad is a sports nut, so growing up, he would take me to Cardinals games, and he would make me keep score, and he would teach me math through sports, and we would go to Blues games, and he would have my mom dress me in a Blues jersey with a big bow, and he would take me to the games and point me out, or excuse me, point different players out to me and explain things to me, and even little things like when we would do chores, I would have to fold the laundry, and my dad would take socks, and he would draw up a, f- a fake football play and make me run the route, and then he would throw me the socks, and I'd have to catch it. And, That's adorable. And spike it and do a touchdown dance. It was just little things like that. And, of course, I played sports growing up. I played soccer my whole life, and my dad was my coach. But truly the best thing that comes out of my job is not only seeing so many women reach out to me saying I listen to you in the morning and I'm a huge sports fan thank you for being the voice for us but I get messages from dads from moms all the time saying we throw you on in the morning when I'm driving my daughter to school and she wants to be you and honestly it. it makes me cry I got a message the other day from a woman on Instagram and she said I just want to let you know I'm a mother of three daughters and we listen to you in the morning, and I tell them, if you work really hard, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter right. what barriers are there. And I told her, I go, that's absolutely right. Thank you for telling me that, because that's so important for me to keep into perspective. Right. But I said to her, I hope that people like you and I, who are in these male-dominated industries, that by the time this woman's children come of age, her yeah. daughters come of age, there's more seats at the table absolutely. for everybody. And I think... I can't really speak to music as as much as you can, but I know in sports there certainly have been a lot of growth areas, but it's still not enough. Right. I don't think when you watch ESPN, who does make a very conscious effort to diversify, or you listen to our station, that we necessarily represent the demographics of sports fans. There's many women out there who oh are sports God. fans, yes. so I should not be the only female. No, voice. you shouldn't. But we have Jen Langosh, who covers the Cardinals. On you know, we're we're working in other women all the time, which I think is so awesome. Right. I think that um, you know, going back to women reaching out, same thing. Like I'll have female listeners that reach out and say like. Thank you for just, you know, putting up with all the crap that these men throw at you all the time. Because I'm sure working on a show with all guys is similar where you have to hold your own. Like, uh-huh. it's not, they don't, nobody comes down t- to my level. I don't even know what that means. Like, and, it, it, and I'm, you know, to me it's all even. Like, I look at John and I go, yes, he is a veteran of this industry and he's definitely a name and a, a huge part of St. Louis. But I guess after probably, like, the first week of working with him on the air, I just realized his human part, and I'm like, you know, he's just like me, and I'm just like him in certain ways. And if you take away all of the experience and the years, we have the same sense of humor, we have similar interests, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whenever I see women reach out and think it's um, something crazy, like they can never do it or something, I'm like, no, Everybody can do this. Mm-hmm. Everybody. And it, our jobs are not... I mean, your job is a little bit harder than mine because you have to have to actually know what happened in games and ha- have this um, fact check uh, of things that have happened in the last 24 hours. Whereas my job is just like bullshitting about <laughs> rock music and, and just talking and bringing opinion and enlightening people and trying to bring humor into their mornings. Um, and that's not really that hard if you have a good sense of yourself. So, you know, as long, I always tell like young women that email me or whatever and they're like how do I get a job doing what you do and I'm like just be yourself be authentic totally get a degree if you need one get experience and then like just cut through the crap you know don't look at it like you can't do anything you can do anything you want and I've always had that mentality 
working through life. Like, I'll do whatever the hell I want, like, if I work hard. So, yeah. I mean, you went to U of I. Uh-huh. And what did you study while you were there? So, funny story. I went to U of I pre-med. I wanted to be a dermatologist. Amazing. Why did you want to be a dermatologist? Everyone says, oh, that's so nice. You wanted to, you know do something maybe with burn victims, like really help people. I said, no, I wanted, because I was reading about Botox, I'm like, I want to open a med spa and make millions of dollars and give people Botox (laughs) and facials. I was an entrepreneur back then. But I went to my first chemistry class, huge lecture, walked in, sit down, I'm really nervous. The professor walks in, doesn't even speak to us, starts writing chemical equations on the board. Oh my God. And I'm like, well, this is not going to work for me. You're like packing up your books and walking out. Yeah. And so (laughs) I thankfully, uh, through my high school, had gotten a bunch of college credits. So after a year, I was able to change my major. But, you know, I had a long powwow with my parents and I was freaking out, being like, I don't really know what to do. How am I going to develop a career? What am I going to do to make money? And my dad was always like, do what you're passionate about, kid. He's like, if you go to work every day and you do what you love, it's never going to be a job. He's right. And he's totally right. And so because my dad had fostered that love of sports in me, actually, when I was in college, my freshman year was 2005 in Illinois, and that's when they had that unbelievable basketball team that went to the national championship game. We won't talk about the outcome because it's a sensitive (laughs) subject, but I fell in love with that basketball team, and I was so consumed by it. And I went to every game and watched every road game, and my dorm room with my roommate, we would rip off the cover of the Daily Illini on the sports page and plaster our walls like wallpaper because they were undefeated until the last game of the regular season when Ohio State won on a buzzer beater. But we were, the whole school was just entranced by this. Right. And I remember thinking, this is so cool. Because as a freshman, you're still, even though I had found a great friend group through my sorority, you're still trying to find yourself and you want to be a part of this place that you're at so badly and sports brought everybody together it didn't matter what grade you were in it didn't matter what city you came from it didn't matter what your major was it didn't matter what you looked like no we were all cheering for this team and I remember thinking that that was so unique and so cool so I went to my advisor and I said I think I want to be a sports writer and she said to me no no you're a female with a deep voice you need to go into broadcasting uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Oh, so it was a good thing. She, yeah. She wanted to do just, you wanted to do print. Yeah, I wanted to okay. do print. And right. she was like, everything is evolving digitally, and if you you have a voice that is unique for a female, so you should go broadcast. And I'm good like, Good for Great. her for bringing that up to you. I know, and she was so smart. And so I'm a very type A person, and I felt like I was a year behind, even though I wasn't, because I just did my... Um, gen eds. My gen eds, yeah. My prereqs, whatever they're called. And so I said to her, any internship that comes across your desk, send it to me. And I might not get it, but I'm going to apply for it. So she did. And I worked for KSDK here in St. Louis. I worked for Monday Night Football, Rams versus the Bears when they came to town. I ended up getting a job at this company uh, that's still at Illinois called Illini Productions that worked um, in concert with the Big Ten Network up in Chicago. So I would be interviewing players after football practice and sending the tapes up to Chicago so they could be cut up. And, and played on the Big Ten Network. I was making highlight videos that were played, you know, on the Jumbotron at the football game. Just learning the, amazing. the inner workings of how to do this. Yes. Because I never wanted to get into this and not know every possible job that I could take. Yep. Whether it was a producer or an editor or a director or a host, whatever it was. And be humbled to those positions. Because it is a hierarchy of board op to, you know what I'm yep. saying, to general manager of things. And I think that that is such good advice to give anyone who is coming up in any profession, learn everything. Everything. From the dishwasher to the restaurant owner. Yep. You need to know exactly how it's done. So anyway, continue. That's awesome. Well, the best hosts I've ever worked with have been producers because they know how to develop content. They know how to arrange a segment. They know what the listener wants to hear. Oftentimes, certain talent in sports may be a former player or it may be... um, someone who just was very talented and did play-by-play and then came into radio, whatever it may be, without knowing what it takes to truly construct a show, you have to really lean on your producer. But if you were a producer who then becomes talent, you can lean on yourself. You know what to do. So I really wanted to learn everything I possibly could. And I did, and I was so pumped, and I'm ready to graduate. And then in 2008, I think I have a job. I'm moving to Chicago with all my friends. Life is going to be so fab. The economy crashes. The economy crashes. You and I have the exact same story. I just want you to know. 
let me pause you. With, no, go ahead. I want to show. I want to hear it. I want to tell you the parallel of our story. So same thing. Like I was going to be a forensic psychologist when oh, I started college. How cool! So I wanted to help find serial killers and I wanted to lock them up. That was literally what I wanted to do. And what's hilarious Wait, is that, I want to give people Botox and make millions, and you want to make the world a better place well, and rid it of psychopaths. In, in both it. ways, we were helping the world. But yeah, no. So I. I'm in Indiana. I was dating this total deadbeat of a guy. And, like, literally the only reason that I was supposed to meet him was for this exact moment. We were visiting his mom in Indiana. And uh, this was, like, I was going to junior college at the time. And um, and I wanted I was really great at writing, too. I, I wanted to be um, – I wanted to work for Rolling Stone magazine. I was like, oh, I'm totally going to be, like, an album reviewer or something like that or be able – or a comedy writer. Yeah. And so um, – I went from journalism back to, uh, I love psychology and learning about people and the ethnography of everyone. And then, so I'm still in junior college at this point. I'm finding different universities to transfer to. He and I go to Indiana. We're in a Best Buy parking lot. I had just bought <laughs> the the box set for No Doubt. No Doubt released a box set. I don't remember what year this was. Maybe 2004. Okay. Um, I'm in the, the backseat of his mom's car. She's driving. He was working at a gas station at the time, and she's kind of, like, pumping him up, like, you need to go to college, you need to do this. And she's rattling off, like, a million things that he could go to school for. And he, like, punk rock music and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty good at music. Um, and I'm not, like, hardly listening. And she goes, you know, you could work in radio. And it was, like, the um, epitome of the light bulb going off in the moment. And I literally, like, looked up, and I'm like, I could totally work in radio. I love talking to people. I... I think I have an okay voice. I could definitely, I know a lot about electronics. I, this would be perfect. And literally dumped the guy like so many <laughs> months later. You're like, I got what I need from you. I got what I need from you. Transferred up to Illinois State and they have a great mass comp uh, program there. And so started my, you know, training into that, excelled at it, like made a ton of friends, loved everybody that was a part of that whole program, got like DJ of the year for the state of Illinois in like wow. 2006, like did all this stuff that like working my ass off, worked at like a small uh, station called Bob FM in Normal, Illinois, that was like a swing shift on weekends, you know, just would do anything and everything to get my foot in the door for radio and like trying to absorb everything that I could of the people I was meeting. And, mm-hmm. um, and then whenever I graduated in 08, I, uh, I came back home to St. Louis and um, was living at home in my mom's basement, and I was applying all over St. Louis to these radio stations to get a board hopping gig, and it was uh, it was 07 into the beginning of 08, so it was right before the economy crashed, but I got a, um, because of John, because I sent you man a, uh, an email, because I knew a mutual family friend of his, he and I both know the same person, uh, I sent him an email, and I'm like, look, I'd really love to work at the station. He got me in touch with our promotions department at Keishi, and I literally like worked for free for 12 weeks while I was also barista, while I also got a job at the old Rock House being their promotions director, and that just culminated into like one crazy 24-hour-a-day job, and then the economy crashed. Everybody got fired. Mm-hmm. Or furloughed. Or furloughed. And I'm sitting here going, and people, you know, different people at the station at the time were going, who can do this? And I'm like raising my hand, like, I can do it. I can board up. I can do promotions. I can do on air. I can literally do everything that you need me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never sold anything, but I've worked in sales in weird <laughs> ways before. I said, I literally can do anything you need me to do. And I just started doing everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then luckily that hard work landed me into you know, being into the promotions department full time. And then once it was time to get rid of a syndicated morning show at Casey, Bob and Tom, they go, okay, we're going to put John and learn together. And that was 2012. And now we've been doing that for seven years. It's amazing. And it's just, it's a crazy ass story. But it is. They say luck is hard work meets opportunity. It and is. if you hadn't worked so hard to get to that point and then were faced with this opportunity you wouldn't have been ready for yep. it, you know and that's what happens and the same thing kind of happened to me I think I'm going to get this job all of a sudden I get a call saying hey not only can we not hire you we're letting a bunch of people go oh because God. we have no money and I'm like cool great I'll just move home and live in my parents basement yeah. they, they will be thrilled <laughs> and thankfully because I had interned so many places and I had made so many relationships yeah. I emailed KSDK and said hey I'm moving home do you have anything and they said yeah we have one um, 
PA position in the morning. You have to be there from 4.30 in the morning till the end of the show. I said, I'll take it. Whatever you got, I'll right. take it. So I'm getting up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm there from 4.30 till 2. Then I wanted to work in sports so desperately because I had interned in the sports department. I knew everyone in the sports department, Frank Cusmano, Renny Knott, Katie Feltz. Um, I would go there at 2 o'clock because that's when they would normally get in. And I'd say, hey, you guys going to the ballpark? Can I tag along? And I would go to the ballpark with them, and I would just observe them. And then slowly, after I'd been there a little bit, I'd say to Rennie, hey, can I? you're going to interview Albert Pujols today. I came up with these 20 questions that I think are good. If you want to use them, here you go. Oh, wow. I'd say to Frank, hey, I see you're doing this story on um, the head football coach from East St. Louis. Can I write the tease for you for the 6 o'clock newscast? Just, they, they may have used it 20% of the time. Not even 20%. So... Rarely did they use it, but the fact that I was putting an initiative Absolutely. to do that was just saying, hey, let me take something off your plate. How right. can I be? And I wasn't getting paid for that. That no. was just me pro bono wanting to see how this, you know, operated. And so around that same time, you know, the internet was around, the internet was a thing, but the news was still very much on TV. You know, right. it was on digital, but it wasn't the way that it is now where we consume everything on our phones or through our computers. Right. And I, they were ramping up their high school football coverage. And I said, hey, if you need somebody to go out and shoot it, I can shoot, I can edit, I can front it, I can package it, whatever you need. And they're like, yeah, actually, like we're going to send you out for a game. You put something together. So I did that. And then that rolled into me being able to put together these packages and, and present that to them. And then there was a sports show on the weekend, Sports Plus. That was very iconic. And they did this panel at, called The Pit. And because I was in there all the time, Frank and Rennie said, hey, you know, it might be cool if we have a host for The Pit, kind of like right. First Take or something like that. You should do it. And I said, yeah. Yeah. I'll do it. So I would <laughs> I would front and tag, uh, for those who don't know the TV terms, is where you kind of stand in front of the camera and you present, you kind of tee up what's going to happen and you present the questions and whatnot. And I did that for a little bit. And just like you, when luck luck happens, when hard work meets opportunity. I was doing all that for free, by the way. I was oh, not yeah. getting paid a dime to do that. Wow. So I'm working terrible hours. I had no social life. All my friends just graduated from college. They're raging, you know, in Soulard. <laughs> and I'm saying, I can't. I should be up at 3.30 in the morning. But it was fine. But that sacrifice is what, it, what it's worth. Yeah, you totally. Know? So then ESPN Radio comes to town, and Rennie being the sports director at KSEK, gets offered a weekend show. Mm. And he's like, well, I need some co-hosts. So he asked myself and Larry Thornton, who was, who was producer at the time, was. Uh, Larry went to Mizzou. I went to Illinois. So we would always fight about Mizzou. Love Illinois. it. <laughs> Those were the days. And he was like, hey, you know, I'd like to have two diverse voices. Why don't you guys be my co-hosts? So we said, great, we'll do it. So I'm working already six days a week, Monday through Friday and Sunday for Sports Plus. This was on Saturday. So I would drive from Belleville to Creevecore, which was about an hour door-to-door on a Saturday, to get paid 50 bucks every two weeks to do this radio show. Oh, my god! But I was just so pumped to have the opportunity. Yes. So then the program director at the time heard me on the radio, reached out to me, and said, hey... Bernie Miklas is looking for a producer. I don't know if you've ever produced radio, but I think you might be a good fit. Get in touch with me. So I did. And I went into that job thinking, I've never produced a day of radio in life. In my life. I'm never going to get this gig. And so I prepared as much as I could. And I obviously, growing up here, know who Bernie is. Right. and know the how respected he is. And I was nervous going in, thinking, oh, he's never, he's going to laugh and say, why'd you bring this girl in? And so he says to me, uh, I made it through the final round of interviews when I went to Bernie. And he said to me, listen, i got to be honest with you. It's down to you and one other guy. He's got a lot of experience and could probably do the job really effectively. But I don't know if he's the right guy for the job, if it's going to be a right, the right dynamic. Wow. He's like, and then there's you. I can tell you're really hungry. I like you a lot as a person. But you have no experience, so I don't know what to expect. I don't really know what to do. But I'm just being honest with you. And I said, you know what? If he is as talented as you tell me he is, he's going to have no problem finding another job when you hire me. <laughs> I love it. And I, yes, I left there. I called my dad. I go, well, I took shit to Bernie Miklas. I'm never going to get this job. I'm going to be blackballed in this industry forever. I don't know what happened. He's probably so proud. He was like, well, he's like, at least you were honest. Yes. And you know what? I got a call two days later and I got the job. Good for you. And see that, God, that is so um, 
perfect of just like how if you don't toot your own horn and go for it, mm-hmm. nobody else is going to do it for you. And a lot of women aren't comfortable in that space saying, yeah. I'm great and you should understand why and you should appreciate me. And it took me, I'm still going through that process trying to figure out what the balance of that is. Sure. Because you don't want to come off as as arrogant but you also want to say hey I've worked really hard and I can do this right yeah so yeah I ended up getting the job and the rest is kind of history I love that about you (laughs) I really do and I can tell like you and I don't know each other extremely well but I know that you are my type of uh person (laughs) same where I'm like I because I similarly again um you know, there's different moments where I've gone into HR, previous company, and I'm like, you know what, we're working like 60 plus hours as PAs for the promotion team, and we need health benefits. And I got like four people health benefits going in, and ex- because a lot of it was to the detriment of ignorance, where, you know, people weren't realizing, oh crap, because of the recession, we are overworking our part-time staff mm-hmm. so much that they, yeah, they do deserve this, like, one-up. We can't maybe pay them more, but we can definitely add in to benefits. Got us benefits. Good at, for you. And then from there, it was, like, you know, getting a full-time on-air gig. I was applying um, all over the country, all over the, I should say, Midwest, because I knew that I wasn't good enough yet for the coasts, um, even though, like, my heart at the time was in Los Angeles at this station called K-Rock, which is, like, yeah, my favorite station I would listen to it online all the time. And um, and so I was applying at all sorts of different stations, and I actually got a job opportunity in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I went into huh. my boss, Rick Bayless at the time, and I said, look, I just got accepted a full-time position in Little Rock. It's, it's everything that I want. It's a smaller market, but I just really want to be on air full-time. And it was that pressure, I think, that I pushed in that moment that just kind of, again, the luck of... Uh, the station wanting to get rid of its syndicated morning show where they said okay what can we do here and I'd proven myself to at least that point that I'm not a total idiot that I can like (laughs) post a show and fill in for people and I'm responsible with my words and whatever and so um you know and it was that push that I put on them to say hey either you want it me you know you want me here or I'm out so you got to make a move and I think that that assertiveness can be can go through all sorts of variations of your life where if you just talk about what you want, it's like that law of attraction, right? So, like, um, you know, I just wish more females specifically. But I know a lot of men, too, that are hard. They don't know how to uh, be assertive in those moments for their career. And um, I love that you did that. We've so parallel cool. lives, haven't we? We really have. And I know you're into numerology. Oh, I, I just had a great numerology reading. It was my first one ever. Uh, I, I want to hear about it. It was so accurate. It freaked me out. Tell me about it. So, I... I think all that stuff is so fun, getting your palm read or some, having someone tell you your fortune. And um, I had a friend who said, I got this unbelievable numerology reading from this guy in L.A. Here, I'll have to pull it up on yeah, my phone. Yeah, I, I took notes as we were talking because I was like, <laughs> I want to savor every second of this. So, um, actually, you'll really appreciate some of I really will. I'm into all of this. And see, you'll have to introduce me to numerology. I'm bad with numbers in all capacities, but I love astrology and palm reading and mm-hmm. all. And I... I mean, I get into this stuff big time. So, What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Oh, my gosh. This is why we get along so well. I'm a Leo. Yeah, we're fire signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what's up. Okay. So, Leo, their best relationships and their lives are with Aries. My two longest relationships have been with Aries. So, there, there you go. go. I'm your third relationship. There you go. <laughs> so, so, basically, you give him your birthday, and then he pulls your chart, and he says all these things about you or whatever. Okay. But he especially with my career, really nailed it. He kept telling me, I feel like you have knowledge and information that you want to project to society. You want to use the information that you have inside you to make a positive impact on society. Awesome. And he says, I, and this is a person who only knows my first name and my birthday. Knows and he's nothing in about Los me. Angeles. Yes. Yeah, so okay. he, he has no idea who I am. Yeah. He goes, I keep saying that you were the producer of your life. Like you were the producer of everything you did. But he said, I wouldn't reach a full crescendo in my life until I stepped into the spotlight and became the head. He didn't say talent or on air or anything. Right. But he goes, he kept saying, you were the producer before, you need to be the creator now. And he said he sees creative art, film, and design in my future. And he kept saying that um, I won't reach the peak of my career until there is film involved. So he goes, I don't know if that means that you... 
because at the end you can talk to him a little bit and he can tell you what he sees. He's like, I don't know if that means TV or if that means you do something totally different, but I'm sensing that it won't just be radio for you. Wow. Well, what What do you think about that? Like, do you have the... Because I'm sure you get the uh, question all the time. Like, it's always set up this way. You're so gorgeous. Why aren't you on television? Do you get that too? I get that all the time. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm very grateful that people think I'm attractive, but at the same time... I'm sure you're like me, where you got into radio because you wanted to be heard and not seen. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you should see me at 4 in the morning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everybody get your cameras out at 4.30 and really see what's Oh, up. my gosh. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I was in TV when I first started my career. Mm. And I always loved the idea of TV with sports because so much of sports... You can tell the story on radio, especially with a game, though. Mm-hmm. You can't really tell it without watching it. With the visual. It's such a visual medium. Sure. Um, and so I, I, initially when I got into sports, thought I might want to be a feature reporter. I thought, like, my dream job at the time was to work for College Game Day. I was like, <laughs> I want to be the person that makes you cry into your coffee on Saturday morning. <laughs> and that's a really difficult thing to do without TV, right? But then the more I did it, I realized, especially in the local format, you get two, three minutes to right. run through how many stories. Oh, yeah. You're not really given the opportunity to give your opinion. You're not really given the opportunity to really dive into what happened because you're trying to package it in a newscast. Right. And so then when I got to radio, I thought, oh, you're going to give me three hours in 10-minute segments to say whatever I want? Yeah. This sounds great. Yeah. And that's why I love podcasts so much because... Without the time constraints of radio or, you know, there's all these little tricks of the trade that people that listen to radio will never know that we try and talk about something for this long to keep, right. keep you engaged and doing teases. Podcasts are, to me, the most authentic medium out there because you can just say what you want. You can go as long as you want. If I want to talk about the Cardinals for 20 minutes, great. And then if I'm done and I want to talk about Game of Thrones for 10, great. I can do whatever <laughs> I want. And I think that that's the way things are trending because everybody wants things on, on demand yep. and they want to be able to skip through and find what they like. Exactly. And I think even with um, with you know vested interest in, into some subject matter, podcasting is a great piece because even like right now, people could be like fast forward fast forwarding through this podcast to like get to something that maybe they've been teased about earlier. You know, oh, no, they're going to listen to this whole thing. They better damn well they you know what? We're going to say a word right now and they better know the word and like put it in the review. We're going to tweet say, us, yes, or yeah. put it in the review. Great okay. call. What's Let's the see. word? What's the word? Um so my word whenever I'm out with my girlfriends and if someone's creeping on them or yes. they're annoyed is coconut. Coconut. To All right. get, to get out of a situation it's coconut. Coconut. Perfect. So you better review that coconut so we know that you made it through this entire Podcast. But I don't feel the need to be on TV, do you? No, I don't. In fact, I don't want to be because I don't want the added pressure. Like I saw a, a young lady that was, she's pregnant right now and she's in TV news. Her name's Allie and I, I can't, I don't I know. I saw this story. Channel 4 or 5, I can't remember. Five. Was it 5? She's on Tissel in the morning. Yes. And people were commenting, and I believe it was a woman who commented on her belly and what she was wearing and, and made this just terrible comment about her appearance and it you know she's a new she's gonna be a new mom and like she has no reason to even be thinking about she's creating life she yeah she's like in her most beautiful <laughs> moment having her I think it's her first child uh-huh. and the fact that some stranger has the audacity to say anything about how she looks either good or bad like it's nobody's damn business how anybody's looking especially when they're pregnant but ever you know it's like I, I thought about her and she released this statement about it and I thought mm-hmm. she was so strong in that statement and I thought I feel so bad for her but at the same time I feel like empowered by her that she made a comment but I just for that reason I don't want to be torn down in that way I, I get torn down a lot in this business as it is it's such a catch-22 because I look at a lot of women who are in media and I see them on the beach posting pictures of themselves in their swimsuits and I think that is so amazing that you feel so free to post that, knowing what the response is going oh, to be, yeah. but that you are so confident that you don't care. To me, while I love myself and appreciate myself, I just don't want to deal with it. No. I don't want to deal with that. So right. I'm so hyper aware of, of the things that I say or the pictures that I post yes. because you post it once and 
it's going to be, this is what you're known for. Yep. Or if it's me on the beach with my friends having a great day, we're having a beach picnic. We're Amazing. Be, yeah. You know what it's going to be? Oh, you're seeking attention. Or yep. why aren't you watching sports? You're in your swimsuit. And you know, it's, it's so the dumbest stupid. stuff. It's so stupid. And, and as somebody who follows you on social media, I love when you, like, you and your pals, like, are in Italy or wherever. You're always, like, going somewhere cool, which I want to get to the half marathon oh, yeah, here thanks. in a second. Um, you know, and I look at that, and I, I, I don't think I've ever, and I don't look at any of the women that we work alongside and go, oh, this is an attention-seeking no, situation. No, not at all. These are just women in their genuine, yep. like, environments, and they're living their best lives. And, you know, and more power to all the women out there that are working hard on their bodies. I have so many friends that, like, will post gorgeous photos of themselves, but they are badass baller women that, like, are taking care of themselves health-wise and, like, doing their career. And, and the bonus is that they're just sharing that gorgeous photo with other people. Like, I think it's amazing they feel empowered to do that. And I don't think it's that you or I wouldn't. It's just, is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> right. At the end of the day, I just know that I'm going to have all of these creeps, creeps <laughs> commenting on it. And I just think... It's not worth it. It's really not I don't worth really it. care yeah, enough yeah. to deal with that. Right. One day we'll just both do it. We'll text each other oh my like three, two, one, post. <laughs> just let's go. Seriously, best day of everybody's lives. We're doing it. We look, <laughs> we're just gonna say simultaneously, like we look hot today. We we're doing today. it. Absolutely. Well, and I'm pro. I'm pro of like because sometimes it's like, like I've been. I don't know if you're like this, but I will do this thing where. I feel like the, I feel like I haven't been seen in a while. Where I'm like, oh shit! Like I haven't I haven't posted like a selfie or like people don't know I'm really in the studio or whatever. And so I'll try like I'll ramp up. I'll get the I'll get it all set up and I'll take like a picture mm-hmm. and I'll be like, this looks like total crap. <laughs> and I'll take it out. Like all the producers in the ESPN uh, producer studio have to be cracking up if they ever see me during my midday show, like trying to take like a cool pic, like saying something. And then I'm like, no. And I'll delete it. And I do that five about five or six times and then I'll put the phone down and I'm like it's just not happening today but isn't that such a terrible part of our job that we can't just go on the radio and say what we want to say you also have to worry about the social media component and 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 feeding that sort of need it's a beast it is and and you want people to see what you look like so they can connect with you and then when they see you out they'll be like oh that's Michelle that's Lauren yeah awesome but on the same token it's it's a whole nother job running your social channels I'm so bad at it they tell me when I was at ESPN they're like, you need to post more. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm like, really? Who has time for this? Right. Who has? To, I, I'm supposed to be like telling you about the new music that's coming out, or <laughs> yeah. Mick Jagger. Like, how's his heart? You know, I don't have time. How to is be, his heart? His heart's good. <laughs> he he was walking around Central Park. He's all good. Oh, now. good, good, that is good. Yeah. So I okay. So your half marathons. I just noticed that you ran. You're you're doing all 50 states mm-hmm. half marathons. You uh-huh. were on. You just ran in New York. Central Park. 13th. I okay. As, and I know you you share this with me. I am not a runner. I hate running, but you're doing it. And and how did you how did you decide? Oh, you know what? I'm gonna run in every state because that's expensive mm-hmm. to fly out to all these different um, destinations. And then running. I mean, it's obviously good for you. You're in great shape, but you t- you call yourself not a runner. Like I listen no. to your podcast. I'm not. A and runner. you, Tom, and Steve are constantly like, who would beat each other? You know, yeah. Like. And I share that same apathy about running as Mm -hmm. you do, but you push yourself to do it. I wonder where does that come from and, like, what is the goal with the 50 states? So it kind of was a waterfall of things. I was working for ESPN, living in Bristol, Connecticut, and ESPN is an amazing place to work, the best place to work, but it's in Bristol, Connecticut. So (laughs) you have a lot of downtime being in central Connecticut when you're not with your coworkers or you're working on your show. And it was approaching my 30th birthday. And I'm not married. I don't have kids. You know, my job was my life at the time. And I just started thinking about various things. And they used to make fun of me on the show. They would call me Midwest Michelle. Because (laughs) anything that would happen, I could tie it back to St. Louis. They'd say, oh, you know what I did? I started watching Mad Men last night. I'd be like, John Hamm, great St. Louis son. (laughs) We would do these team building things. And somebody would order ravioli. And I'd be like, toasted ravioli, St. Louis specialty. Ever tried it? And so they would make fun of me and call me Midwest Michelle. And so I just kind of was reflecting and 
thinking about my life, and I had a friend from high school who had passed away a few years prior. He had cancer, and it was just a really, really sad situation. But through that, the family developed this great foundation in his honor called the Mike Kelly Foundation. His kind of rallying cry was refuse to lose, um, and he very courageously fought this terrible disease. And what they do is, in our hometown, Belva, Illinois, they throw this baseball camp every summer, and it's free for any kid that wants to come. And it's a really, really cool thing. So I was just thinking, you know, I complain about being in Connecticut. I complain about this, but I'm healthy and I'm alive and I have my mobility. And how, how can I just be grateful for where I'm at and somehow give back? So I went on a wormhole one night down in the Internet and saw a bunch of people that run all 50 states. And it just kind of planted the seed inside my brain. And I thought, what if I could do that but raise money for charities in St. Louis? So I conceived this idea. I said, every 10 charities, I'm going to partner with a different local charity in St. Louis. Because there's so many oh, yeah. people here doing amazing work. And we'll go from there. And so it's been a really, really cool thing in my life. Because I'm not only pouring back into St. Louis, which makes me happy. And highlighting all these great organizations that are doing work. Right. But so many people in my life have shown up for me. Without me really even having to ask them. That's awesome. So I wrote this thing. I posted it. Everyone from ESPN shared it without me even asking them to do it. It was so cool. And then a big group of my coworkers said, well, what's your first one? And I said, I think I'm going to do Newport, Rhode Island. And they're like, we're going. So about what? seven or eight of them made a road trip out of it. My friend Dan Stanzik ran the first one with me. We stayed the night. We made a trip out of it. They were all there at the finish line that cheering for me. That me tear up a little bit. I know. i got to, like, watch. I've never cried in front of you. I'm a crier. <laughs> so am I. Oh, my God. I'm such a crier. Oh, no. I almost cried. I was talking about the woman who reached out to me about her daughter. Trust me, I cry all the time. But then the next one I ran was New Hampshire. And my one of my best girlfriends from high school, Amy Sauerwein, she flew to Connecticut and drove to New Hampshire with me. And awesome. every race that I've done, whether it's my friends or my family or my coworkers, people have said, you know what? This is awesome and I want to support you. And it's just been really cool. And when I say I'm not a runner, I am not. I don't train for these things, which I know I should. Please do not at me and tell me that this is unhealthy. I get it. <laughs> but what happens is your schedule gets in the way. Life gets in the way. Sure. It, like you mentioned, it's not easy to say, okay, I'm just going to go to Virginia this weekend and run a half marathon. No, you have to have the money to go there. You have to have the time to go there. You have right. to have a race on that weekend. It's all of the stars have to align for this to happen. And I've just been kind of flying by the seat of my pants and doing it. Uh, I'm running number 14 next weekend in Where Nashville. In Nashville. Nashville. Um, but yeah, I just completed number 13. The first 10, I raised money for the Mike Kelly Foundation, as I mentioned. And now we're in phase two, as I like to call it. And I'm raising money for the Little Bit Foundation, which is a great organization in St. Louis that helps children in poverty um, overcome a lot of barriers that they face before they even walk into the school in the morning. Wow. Yes, they, they provide. We at um, Hubbard St. Louis did some volunteering, and I, that was the first time I was ever familiar with the Little Bit Foundation, and I really enjoyed what they have done for kids that are in need. Of it's everything from like a, a book to read to a toy to just to food, food, you clothes. know. Yeah, you go in there, and I volunteer at the schools. I try to go weekly um, if I can, but. You know, for instance, the first time I went, it was in the winter, and you go to school, these schools, and you're giving kids coats, and it's 18 degrees outside. Right. And you think, and you're giving them food. I gave a kid food once, and he said, "My mom's going to be so excited. We can eat dinner tonight." Oh my god. And I just thought, imagine going to school and right. being cold or being hungry, and then someone saying, "You have to learn geometry today." Right. And you're thinking about all these things that are so much more important than geometry, but you need to learn the stuff in school to better your, your situation right. in life and. It's just, it's a really, really great organization, and everything they do gets poured back into these schools, so I just, you know, when I run these races, I post the link. If people want to donate and help the Little Bit Foundation, it's great. That's really cool. You are a great human being. Oh, thank you. You really right are. Right back at you. Oh, my God. Well, I need to, like, up my game big time. I need to, like, find something to run at. I yes, need to, you like, need to run with me. I know. Well, I, and I will. I've never done a half marathon. In fact, the, the only time that I've, the last time I ran... A full mile, which I did it in like maybe under 10 minutes. Uh huh. That's um, great. Which was really good. That's great. I haven't done that since high school, and it was because I was at this CrossFit gym and they made us run a mile. And I told my husband, because he worked out with me, I'm like, 
I don't think I've, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, just go at your own pace. Don't worry about like, you know, keeping up with me or because he was in, he's in really good shape. And I said, okay. So I, I just paced myself, and it, I was really proud of myself after I did it because I had I hadn't done that or told myself to do it mm-hmm. in a long time. And then um, you know I didn't come in at completely at last and. And it was like I really achieved something, and I so I know that runner's high and that that moment it has to feel like, especially whenever you run a half marathon and you cross that finish line. I mean, it has to be so exhilarating just in yourself. Like maybe it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're keeping up with the person who's the first one through the finish line, but like just being able to complete something mm-hmm. is so great. And I think that that do you find that it adds to your self confidence as a person? Like after you run one of these races, that you are you, it's almost like you have graduated to a next level a little bit so your husband hit the nail on the head the way that I approach these races is do it at your own pace I don't care what time I finish. I know a lot of runners are, are really competitive with themselves, and they want to beat their pace time, or they want to finish at a certain time. I'm not like that. No. I, I I go to the gym. I, ha- I go to this gym in St. Louis, and I love Tread 415, which has a treadmill component. I try and run outside when it's nice, but I don't want to be beholden to this. I want to go out there and have a good time as much as you can when you're running 13 miles <laughs> yeah. and you're not training for it, but... When I run, I certainly do feel it, it. It to me is kind of a form of meditation, if you will, because I'm doing this and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Okay, I'm I'm being present and grateful in my life for all of these things, right? And I'm doing something for my community. And when I cross the finish line, it's like another one down. This is great. But then the next wave that comes is you have how many more leaves to do? <laughs> that feeling of anxiety and panic jumps right up after that. But you haven't put a time limit on. No, this. no, no. So you, you can't have do your that. entire life to do. You could be 95 years old yep. and hitting that 50th one. You may be wheeling me across the finish line. I will. T- you know what? <laughs> you want to talk about people showing up? I hope we are lifelong friends. I will we wheel will you be. across that damn finish line. Well, my goal is to make Missouri my last state, and I want it to be a relay, and I want different people in my life to run each okay. 13 miles with me. And then at the end, I'm going to host a killer brunch, and we're all going to get, <laughs> we're going to have mimosas, we're going to have oh bagels. It. It's going to be the biggest party ever. I hope I can be there for that relay. You will be there. It's a mile. You could do it. I could do it. I, I will do it. I promise you. Well, you will have it. run a half marathon with me before that, so you'll be okay. ready to go. Well, let's see. So, what's surrounding? Not Missouri. You've done Illinois, Chicago. No, I haven't done Chicago yet. Okay, that one's in I think September, or October. All right. Um, if I can make it. Oh my god. Because you never know with football in the fall. Right. It's really tough. Well, yeah. So, for instance. I was supposed to two weeks ago go to New York to visit my friends that live there, but some circumstances happened. I had to change my flight, plus the Cardinals home opener got moved, and I wanted to go with my dad and my uncle, so I changed my flight. So I said, okay, I'm going to push it back to the following weekend. I just so happened to Google half marathons in New York, and there was a great one, the Shape Women's Half Marathon in Central Park. Boom, done. So it just (laughs) kind of happened that way. Same thing. The NFL draft is in Nashville next weekend, and I was Googling it, and there's a the Rock and Roll Half Marathon's in Nashville, so I'm going to that one. I love that. Oh, Rock and Roll. Okay. Rock and Roll. That's one I could get you into. You should do that. They have Rock and Roll in every state. You know where we should go? Where should we go? We should do the nighttime run, the Rock and Roll run in Vegas. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love I know you I just were got just back there. From Vegas. I know. Yes. Your trip looked amazing. Oh, my God. Well, it was a whirlwind. It was literally <laughs> like a 36-hour trip with my mom and my favorite aunt and my favorite cousin, but yeah, it was. Uh, I'm totally down for that. Okay, like, done. It's a Nighttime, so it'll be cooler. We're right. running under the you know dry heat, so the lights. It'll be great. Oh, what? When is that one? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. But we have time. Info. We have time. Okay. We'll figure it out. I need to like definitely get into shape. That's one thing that like when I started morning radio. I don't know if this happened to you getting up early with uh, Renny and everybody, but like, did did your body completely transform? Like, I had I was wearing myself out. Like I would get off work at one. I would hit the gym at, like, 5 and do, like, a spinning class and then an aerobics class, and then I got in the best shape of my life. Uh-huh. And then just certain things through the years have, like, gotten me away from being more active, which I'm trying to get back into it. Um, but I felt like that it, it's an entire lifestyle change. Oh, yeah. People always say, you've been doing this for over a year. Have you gotten used to the hours? Yeah. And I say, no. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to it. It's just this low hum of exhaustion that's <laughs> perpetually there that I'm just kind of adapted to and yes. learned how to push away you know like to last night the after that blues game last night I think it ended around 11 I was so amped I could not go to bed I was so <laughs> pumped 
that that game ended the way it did. I could not go to bed. So I went to bed around 1. I was laying in my bed on my computer writing notes. Uh, Anthony Salter filled in with me today. I said, if you would read my notes, it's like a psychopath stream of consciousness. It's like an insane person's notes. Because I was so deliriously tired. But then I get up and three hours later and I start prepping I go in I do the show then I tape my podcast for two hours afterwards and then because it's Friday and we wanted to get it out before the close of business on Friday I spent three hours editing it and posting it on social and then I ran home showered came here to meet you yeah but you don't feel tired you know no, you, you just kind of you do just it keep going same thing I mean and I, like I got off work at one because I host from 6a to 1p so I'm on seven yeah. hours straight every how day. do you do that when I you first know. told me that, I thought, you must be drinking seven, eight cups of coffee a and day. And I'm not. I'm, I'm like a 24-ounce coffee on the way into work, and then I drink that through the morning show, and then I'm strictly on to water or tea after that, and then I don't have any caffeine past two. So it's like, oh my I just go. But doing this for seven years, like, I, I have found myself kind of curving into I have gotten used to it. Because now I've cultivated everybody to understand me. Because I think that's the hardest part about working morning anything is that the people in your lives are usually nine to fivers. So they are used to staying out or, or they don't really understand what the benefits of sleep really are. Uh-huh. And I am totally for real serious about my sleep. Like you try to come in between like my six hours that I need at, you know, the minimum. Uh-huh. I'm like a lion. So like if I'm going to a show, like if I have a concert... I will nap for 30 to 45 minutes and then get ready for the concert and then go and then be able to like have five hours of sleep or whatever. And so I think now that I've gotten people to understand my disposition or or the people have fallen off and have, you know, lost touch with me over these last seven years. Luckily, the people in my life understand how serious I take sleep and like how I have to get up and they just kind of give me the benefit of the doubt if I miss everything during the week. I was um, at the Blues game in the press box on Tuesday and I was talking to Randy Carricker about this and I said, because I get roughly four hours of sleep a night, I feel like my brain cannot retain energy, that I'm forgetting yes, things. Me too. And he said, I just read this article on CNN that said that, basically, that if you're not getting enough sleep, your brain cannot function. Yeah. It needs it to function. And I thought, that makes a lot of sense. Because I will forget things or I'll... I'll have to write it down, yep. put it down concretely so that I'll remember it. I or totally get by it. the nine o'clock hour of the show, I'm th- I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm I'm, I'm so out. tired. It's I don't think people understand <laughs> that nine o'clock hour. Bernie and I are so punchy. We're both delirious. We're like, hey, you know what? With it, <laughs> I love it. I, I don't. I think why um, you and I will probably be lifelong friends is because I haven't met anybody that actually understands me in this career. And I really think that you do. Of course I do. It's a rare thing. And it, it is rare. And I'm so I'm so grateful that a wall divides us every morning and like that we're getting to know each other even more and more and more. That just whenever I this is episode three. And so whenever I was rolling around ideas with some people and um, I you know, I was I knew it was gonna be a female I wanted and I, I just came up I was like, Michelle <laughs> Because I, I want to get to know you more, and I know little pieces about you, and I think that you're interesting, and you are, as much as you're similar to my, our careers are similar, you are, like, you know everything about sports that I oh, don't not know. not everything. No, not even But you know so close. much that I, I look up to you in that way that I'm like, I don't really, um, I don't have the wherewithal to know everything about sports. I wouldn't say it's something that I'm genuinely, genuinely interested in, mm-hmm. but you make it seem a bit more like I could be. And so you give me people like me <laughs> for for being a, a true sports fan with something someday, and I love that. And well, I, that is such a an amazing compliment because sports is not elitist. No, sports I know. is for everyone, and yeah. that is one thing that I think a lot of women specifically do think about sports is they think, well, I don't know about it, so I'm intimidated. Sure. I don't want to come into it saying, what's this, or you know, how do you score the points? Something as simple as that. Yeah. Because guys will very much. Oftentimes, guys are very cool about it, and they love explaining it to women. But oftentimes, they're like, oh, just let me enjoy the game. Okay? Right. I don't or want it's to an escape. It like that guy. Yeah. Like, I need to get away from my wife. But I think you are the coolest. And you know what we need to do? What? We need to barter. I'm going to take you, like I said, to a baseball game. Okay. Or a, or a playoff hockey game, even better. Okay. And I, we're going to talk sports. And then you need to take me to a concert. Okay. Because I love music. Do I, you? I love going to shows. Right now, I'm listening to this incredible podcast called Dissect. Have you heard of this no. on Spotify? So one of my favorite artists... 
actually number one on my want to see artist list is Frank Ocean. I think he's so okay. incredibly brilliant. I, I love him. I know his music. I'm, I've never seen him live or anything like that. He's amazing. And so this podcast, they take different artists and they dissect the construction of the album. Oh, wow. And I thought of you and I'm like, Lauren would probably love this. I would love that. Dissect. I'll have to send it to you. Please do. But it's just little things when you're consuming music that you wouldn't know that the artist was trying to make references to this or this connects to this song and this I love way. all of that. Oftentimes, unless it's just a manufactured artist that wants to make money and climb the charts and they're being puppeteered by the label, right? It's a way for someone to express themselves and tell their story. Yeah. And I think that feelings have no genre. They transcend everything. And absolutely, if you want to listen to their story and their point of view, it's there for you to do so, which is why I think a podcast like that is so cool. Yeah. That is really cool. You're super cool. We have just we've just reached an hour, and I told you we'd be up at an hour. I wanted we to, reached uh, an hour yeah, already. This talked, flew by. This, we've talked for literally an hour. Um, I think you're amazing. You can hear me. Oh, we didn't even get to small talk. That'll ha- that'll be version two. Okay, of anytime. our next episode. Um, but please check out Small Talk, which is on all the platforms that you can get podcasts. I know Tom. You call him Tom Freeze Pops. Freeze Pops. I love that. What it. Quickly, he got that nickname at ESPN because on his very first day at ESPN, yes. he brought freeze pops or popsicles. You know the popsicles and yes. the plastic container freeze oh, how pops I know them. to the entire radio department, and he sent an email out saying, "Hey guys, I'm Tom Carroll. I'm new today. I brought freeze pops for everybody. They're in the kitchen. Enjoy." And so instead of sending it to ESPN Radio All in Bristol, he sent it to ESPN All. He sent it to over 8,000 global employees. <laughs> Including the president of ESPN. I love Tom. Including ESPN Miami, ESPN in South America. Were they so mad that they couldn't get the freeze pops? Well, people were replying. People in L.A. were replying to him saying, I'm in the kitchen. I don't see anything. I don't see him. And we never let him live that down. Absolutely. So a nickname was born, Freeze Pops. Tom Carroll, he's a sweetheart. Yes. I see him every morning. And then you have Steve Cerruti, who, uh, am I saying his yep. last name? Steve Cerruti. Mm-hmm. He's in California. No, he's in Bristol still. Oh, so, okay. So he's still in Connecticut. He works okay. with Ryan Rossillo, who's in California. He, Got it. he is a Renaissance man, if I've ever seen one. He produces Ryan Rossillo's podcast, who's based out of California. Who That's a show we worked on together. And he's also the executive producer of with the Will Kane show, which is on TV and radio. He works on our podcast. He does through social media. He develops all the content every day. He contributes to various soccer podcasts. I don't know wow. when he's not working, but he's amazing too. Yeah, and you guys have a great trifecta on small talk. So check it out. And I love so much you're doing um, you're doing uh, 10,000 Frogs. Yeah. Which is a new segment you started, and I listened to it for the first time in one of the last two episodes, and uh, I'm getting a big kick out of it. So it's really fun to hear you not just talk about sports and things that you guys are interested in there, but also lifestyle things that I think everybody can relate to, whether you're a sports fan or not. So check out Small Talk and definitely Bernie Mickler Show. Even though it does compete with the Cajun Morning Rock Show, I will let that slide because you're listening to my friend Michelle Smallman. Thank you so much for having wine and coming here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered, and this was so fun. That is one inspiring human being right there, Michelle Smallman. Thank you so much to her for sitting down with me on a Friday evening at Sasha's On Demand where we, we drank a couple of glasses of wine together. And actually, after the microphones were closed out, we, we stuck around and had ourselves a great evening of, of friendship. So I'm, I'm excited to say that I think I'm friends with Michelle Smallman, which is pretty damn cool. I hope to be more like her in time. Her altruism and her dedication to things is really empowering to me. And I really enjoyed having an honest conversation with somebody who I think out of all the chicks I work with, she gets my daily routine the most. (laughs) And that's kind of a weird thing to identify with another person on. So it's really cool. Um, Anyway, go like Michelle on all the socials. Follow her podcast where you're listening to this podcast. You can download hers. It's called Small Talk. And if you're in St. Louis, listen to her on the Bernie McLeish Show at 101 ESPN. You can rate, review, share. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about this podcast. We will look forward to episode number four. It will be out June 6th. So until then, have a great May. I'll talk to you in June. Peace. Let's go. This holiday, 
with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.